Hey, welcome to episode five of the Bedford Bible Church podcast, and today we are continuing in our study of the life of Elijah, and uh, it, the passage is First Kings chapter 17, verses 8 through 16, and Elijah, having come through the trial at Cherith, he now is going to arrive at Zarephath, and although the surroundings change uh, for Elijah and now for the widow woman, the trial is going to continue. And really the theme here is that the, the purifying flames of trials are sent to remove from us the impurities which hinder our walk with God, that keep us from growing in faith. They can draw us closer to uh, our God, and there's something which the Lord uses. And something I want us to understand as we go through this passage is that these times of purification are not necessarily punishments. It's not about us having done something wrong, and so God is going to do something to us. These times of trial can be things that God does for us. It's a benefit. Um, Cherith, we noted, meant to be cut off or cut down, and there the prophet was uh, went through a time of, of humbling. Um, and now, although Elijah is moving to a new location, the trial is going to continue. He gets to Zarephath. Now, before we think about Zarephath, I want to tell you about somewhere in England that I visited as a child. Uh, it's a town called Buxton. And apparently in Buxton, uh, they have very, very special water. At least to buy it in bottled form, uh, you'd think it was special. And I guess it is, because this water fell some 5,000 years ago. And as it seeped through the soil and the sand and eventually the Derbyshire rocks, it was purified. And as it was purified, it was also infused with special minerals in that part of the country. And so now Buxton Water is a business um, doing, doing very well by all accounts. But it was purified by going through the different layers, but it was also infused with good things by going through the different layers. And so it was with Elijah. When he confronted Ahab, he was being poured into a situation uh, where he was being purified and also taught at Cherith, another layer of purification and of teaching. And then finally he gets to Zarephath, and once more it's a time of trial. But Elijah always had one eye on the horizon, and so no matter what happened around him, he was looking toward God, and he knew that he was being drawn to God, and so whatever the path may be, he was willing to endure it. And so we want to keep that in mind as we go through this uh, this study. Now, Zarephath, uh, we read about it in 1 Kings 17, verse 8, And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, or Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a, woman, a widow woman there to sustain thee. Now, Zarephath means to, to melt or to smelt something, and, and so there must have been some kind of a furnace there originally uh, where they purified metals. Now, in the noun form, it means a crucible. Now, a crucible is a, a situation, a severe trial, where uh, a combination of different elements interact to create something new. So a crucible is something where a severe trial, a combination of different elements, come together to create something new. And so that's how we're going to think about Elijah's time at Zarephath. It was a time of being in a crucible in several different ways. And the first crucible that he faced was the crucible of the furnace. Okay, we're going to combine a couple of the elements here. We 
had the idea of purification all through God's word. And we even sing about it. Think of the old hymn, How Firm a Foundation. And there the hymn writer wrote, The flame shall not hurt thee, I only design thy dross to consume and thy gold to refine. A furnace melts the impurities. It brings them to the surface so that they can be removed by the one doing the purification. God, we take note of, first of all, in this uh, first crucible then, God knew where Elijah was. The word of the Lord came on to him. Uh, the word came to Elijah. At the right time and at the right place, God spoke to him. Now, we never have to go through a test to deserve revelation or to get guidance from God. We don't have to in some way uh, complete a, a set of trials in order for God to speak to us so that we deserve to hear from him. Uh, Elijah was where God wanted him to be, and at the right time and in the right way, God spoke to Elijah. When God's time was perfect, he made his will known. And as young people, we tend to wrestle with this question a lot when we start thinking about, uh, you know, college or about vocations or relationships. And as Christians, we, I think, are very focused as young people on what is God's will for me. As we get older, I feel we sometimes get away from that. But we always need to remember that God wants his will to be known. It's not a, a mystery that God wants us to, uh, you know, have to wrestle with to figure out. God wants us to know his will. And when the time is right, he will bring his word to us. God not only knew where Elijah was, but he knew where Elijah was going. Zarephath. Elijah had no clue about the future. But God knew the country, the town, and even the person to whom he would be sent. And he tells them, arise, get, dwell. Get up, go, and stay. Elijah had no idea what was coming, but he knew that he was to go somewhere else and he was to stay there. Zarephath was uh, between the cities of Tyre and Sidon. Uh, now, Cherith was east of Jordan, south of the Sea of Galilee. Zarephath was in between Tyre and Sidon, some 100 miles away on the coast of the Mediterranean. So Elijah is going to have to travel uh, almost 100 miles or more across open land where he was a wanted man. And so even the journey itself was going to take a degree of courage. God knew where Elijah was. God knew where he was going to send Elijah. And God knew to whom Elijah would be sent. And again, it was a time of humbling because here's a man who stood before kings and now he's being sent to someone who perhaps, you know, normally Elijah would seek to be a help to. This widow was going to provide for him, a widow of Jezreel. This was the, the homeland of the, the evil Jezebel who was wreaking so much havoc in Israel as the queen uh, of Ahab. God is sending Elijah to the heart of the nation where the problems for his nation originated. And he's sending him to a widow woman who was going to provide for him. And I'm sure this was a time that was humbling for Elijah. And, you know, sometimes God provides for us in a way which we may find is humiliating. We may find it hard to receive, but God wants us to allow others to be a blessing and for others to be a channel. And so we need to be ready to prepare that. As harsh as the widow woman's situation was, and as ungodly as her surroundings were, where the worship of Baal was first and foremost in people's minds, she was a woman of faith. And there was no one throughout Israel that God 
you to send Elijah to. And in Luke chapter 4, Jesus highlights this, much to the, the irritation of the people of his day, that he said there was no widow in Israel to whom Elijah could be sent. And instead, Elijah was to go to this Gentile woman. It's a good reminder for us that our circumstances and surroundings don't have to determine who we are. This widow woman knew Elijah was coming because God told Elijah in verse 9, Behold, I've commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. Now this woman surely had no idea what was coming, but she received a word from the Lord, and that word was, A prophet's coming, you look after him. So the conclusion of this trial, this crucible of the furnace, is first of all, God sends fiery trials. You know, and therefore, good reason. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did nothing wrong to be thrown into the fiery furnace. Indeed, they did something right. They stood up for God, and yet they found themselves being thrown into those open flames. But, you know, when do you think their faith was greater and their lives were more purified? Was it before the furnace or after the crucible of the furnace to which they went through? We need to understand that although sometimes God will change the scenery around us, you know, the trials may continue to refocus our attention on him. You know, we have that phrase, you know, the grass is greener on the other side, but then it still has to be cut. We sometimes think if we change our circumstances, our surroundings, then, you know, maybe life will be better. Sometimes in relationships, people think, well, if they just get away from one particular individual, that their troubles will be over. And sometimes people think if they leave a church and they go somewhere else, then they'll be better off for it. But what they don't uh, remember until later on is that they take themselves wherever they go. And so although our circumstances sometimes change, it doesn't mean our trials will end. And God has a, a way of using these trials to refocus ourselves on Him. God forces a change in His means of supply sometimes. Sometimes God may force us into a different job, into a different uh, vocation, because we've become to rely on our employment rather than on God for supply. And so he changes the means of supply to keep our eyes focused on the ultimate source, which is him. Where God leads us may sometimes be surprising, but we need to follow. He may take us from Cherith to Zarephath, but we follow on. And God's work must be done in God's way. Uh, Elijah had to choose to follow God's path. See, the crucible of the furnace then is when we let God lead us to a place and a set of circumstances where only he can sustain us and bring us through safely. The crucible of the furnace is when the trial endures long beyond what we believe we can su survive, and yet we press on regardless by his grace. Always remember God knows where you are, where he's sending you, and the people in the place to which he's sending you. We need to trust him. The second crucible then that Elijah had to face was the crucible of first impressions. And this challenges us to think what to do when life is not what we expected. Elijah obeyed, and he thought maybe there was going to be relief from the trial, but as we've already noted, the trial just changed with different surroundings. And although there was perhaps a partial relief, he traveled across the hundred miles of open ground, and he survived, and he gets to the city, and he finds the woman straight away, and perhaps he thinks, great, I can go inside, I can relax now. But very quickly, in verse 12, we find that the trial continues. Elijah in verse 11 says, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God lives, I have not a cake, but an handful of meal and a barrel, a little oil and a cruise. And behold, I'm gathering two sticks that I may go in, dress it for me and my son, that we may eat and die. 
So Elijah thinks, great, I've made it, I'm safe. And then he finds that the person to whom God he sent is getting ready to die themselves. The trial is continuing. But Elijah doesn't panic. Elijah rests even within that time of trial. And he says to her, fear not. He says, I'm not afraid. I don't want you to be afraid. God is going to provide. Neither one of them could know how, I'm sure. But Elijah chose to trust. The crucible of first impressions then is when things do not turn out the way we expected. And how many times does that happen? When we get a new job and, you know, we have the document that says these are your responsibilities and these will be your colleagues and this is your, uh, you know, the support you'll get. And we get into the job and then all of a sudden nothing that we were anticipating uh, turns out to be what we were told. The first impressions of relationships, you know, many young marriages struggle with this. They have a, a Disney version of marriage in mind. And, you know, once they've come through the wedding, they've spent all their time planning the wedding and they've given a thought to the marriage. And the first impressions that they had are slowly taken away and then they have to deal with what comes. The beginning of something new may sometimes be the toughest part. And the key, as we see here with Elijah, is if we know we are doing what God wants us to do and we're where God wants us to be, is that we press on. God is in the habit of doing great things in unexpected ways. The fear of first impressions is that we're out of control, is that something we pinned our hopes on isn't turning out the way that we anticipated. And what we need to do is choose to trust. Whether it's the first impression of a new school, a new relationship, a new job, a new activity, whatever it may be, we need to choose to press on. We need to choose to trust. The crucible of first impressions is where a combination of elements come together and what we expect doesn't occur. And yet the Lord uses it to purify us in some way, to create in us something new and to bring us out the other side. And then finally, we see the crucible of fear in verses 13 and onwards. Elijah says, fear not, go and do as thou said, but first of all, make something for me. It tells him in verse 14, for thus saith the Lord God of Israel, and I'm sure at this point it's a revelation for them both. The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And here is something which, again, it's an element of, of faith that we sometimes overlook. We're, we're used to seeing Elijah, you know, on the top of Mount Carmel, and he's defeating the prophets of Baal, and there's fire from heaven. But that wasn't Elijah's first, uh, his first, uh, his first rodeo. You know, Elijah had seen God do great things previously. But this widow woman had no basis for faith. She just had the choice to believe. And Elijah says, look, God is going to provide. God Jehovah is going to provide for you. And in verse 15, it says, and she went and did. She, she went and did what the prophet had told her to do. Now, the match of Elijah's faith set aflame the woman's faith. And that's something that, you know, we can be mindful of ourselves, that our faith can be used to kindle the faith of others. And what a wonderful promise in verse 14. The barrel of meal, the flour and oil, it's not going to run dry. Provision is going to continue. Elijah had to choose between fear and faith, and he chose faith. And this widow woman, who had most likely worshipped Baal, Baal was the, the false god of that area, uh, and he was meant to be the prophet of fertility and rain and harvests, and, you know, she had found him to fail. 
And so now she has the choice. Does she choose to follow another God? Does she choose to continue following him? And she chooses Jehovah. She chooses the God of Israel, the one true God that we know and we worship. And so she chooses not fear, but faith. Elijah's faith was contagious. Uh, one commentator that I followed uh, said that maybe she could have sung uh, you know, a bit of a, uh, a twist on the doxology. And instead of singing praise God from whom all blessings flow, she may have sung praise God from whom all biscuits flow. Elijah had a grow in faith, but the widow had the seeds of faith. And it was going to be tried, but she made the choice at this point to trust. And as we read in verses 15 and 16 of 1 Kings 17, that the oil and the flour never ran out. It continued. So, what can we conclude? In the old furnaces in the ancient times, and today perhaps even still, they would heat the gold or metal or whatever it was to the right temperature, and then all the impurities <coughs> excuse me, would float to the surface, and then they would be carefully removed. And I'm told that the, the one doing the purifying would know that that gold was completely finished and prepared and pure when he could see his face in it. The purified raw materials were now ready for use. And so it is, I believe, we see with Elijah as he faces these three crucibles, this continuing furnace and process of purification. More and more he was becoming like his God, Jehovah, and he was being brought to the place where he could go up to Mount Carmel but he could never have done that in the beginning. So what about you? Are you facing the crucible of a furnace? One trial just seems to blend into another and there's no break in between. Choose to trust. Are you facing the crucible of first impressions, something that you had thought would be different, but it changed and you had hopes that were dashed and now you're just wondering what comes next? You know, don't doubt in the dark what God has shown you in the light. You know, if God has made his will clear for you and you know where you are, where God wants you to be, then choose to trust. As your first impressions are perhaps crushed, choose to trust. And maybe you're facing the crucible of fear. You're in a situation where all seems lost. Choose to trust. Elijah was first poured into a confrontation with Ahab. And then like that water in Buxton, he was poured into a time of waiting at Cherith. And now he is being poured into a further time of trial at Zarephath. But he always had an eye on the horizon to which God was drawing him. And Elijah remained faithful and he grew in his faith. One reason I believe Elijah could withstand these days of hardship was because he saw something above and beyond the circumstances. And so it will be with us. I hope this has been a blessing and a help to you in some way. And I trust that God will bless his word in your life and in mine. Thank you for listening, for watching, and I look forward to our next episode.